It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're a part of it. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August 14th, 2010. If you're watching us live, we're a little bit late tonight. Uh, We're still struggling with a few difficulties, but I think we're on the air now, and so we're glad that you're here. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, it's good to be with you on the Virtual Bible Study, as always. Sorry for the delay tonight. Uh, some uh, some real bad technical glitches again, but we're getting there. Uh, no camera on you tonight, though. So That's I good. That probably makes the program better. I don't know about that. Uh, so we look forward to hearing from you, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We're going to talk about an interesting topic tonight, a topic suggested by a listener in Cookville, Tennessee. Yeah, our friend uh, Jonathan in Cookville uh, several weeks ago sent us an idea, and we've had it on the sort of on the back burner for a while. But but we uh, even when we initially got his email, we agreed that it sounded like a, a really important subject, and so uh, we're going to pull this up tonight and see what kind of comments we get. Jonathan wrote in, and he said, "I've been thinking about some things lately, and I thought I might make that might make an interesting virtual Bible study sometime." I've noticed several congregations these days are starting to post mission and vision statements on their websites. They are developing logos that appear on websites and church letterheads. What are your thoughts on this? What are the dangers of running a congregation like a modern business? And so he goes on to ask some questions and give some of his thoughts, and we'll get to those as we get into the program. So we thought that this would be uh, an important uh, subject for us to discuss and I sent out to our update list earlier today some simple questions. Anthony, you got those uh, ready to go up? Maybe not. Maybe not. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, Anthony's in the. Anthony's behind the controls tonight, and uh, you got a bad night, Anthony. You drew a bad, uh, bad lot there. Well, I, I'm, I'm trying to get these questions on the screen, and it's just not cool. No, don't worry about it. Just let me read them, Anthony. Don't worry about it. Here's the questions we sent out. What positive things might be achieved by a church establishing a mission statement? There he goes. Uh, number two, what negative things might result from the church establishing a mission statement? Number three, what targets, or should rather should targets be set and monitored for metrics such as membership size, contribution targets, number of baptisms, and so forth? Okay. Number four, should a church have a mission statement outside of, and I think I probably should have said other than the scriptures themselves. Should a church have a mission statement other than, that's what I really meant to say, other than the scriptures themselves? And number five, what is the God-given mission of the church? I think we now that last question is an important one. we got a Bible answer for that Okay. Uh, that we can go to pretty definitively. But these other questions, I think, are worthy of discussion um, uh, concerning the idea that churches establish for themselves a mission statement or a vision statement, what they're about. And we've gotten some good response on that question already. Uh, but just to illustrate... Uh, the kind of things that Jonathan had in mind, he sent us some mission statements that he had pulled off of some websites. Sure. Um, 
he said you can do a, a, a search for, for instance, Church of Christ mission statement on Google and get all kinds of responses, he said. Here's one. He said, this church says, we strive to reach out more to people in our community and to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We strive to lift up more and encourage each other as often as we can. We strive to press on more in service to God and others to show our unconditional love. Refusing to be satisfied, our goal is to improve and become more effective in the work of our Lord. By studying more, showing more light to the world, sharing with more souls our faith in Jesus Christ, his vision can become ours. Everything stems from our relationship with the Father through his Son Jesus. Uh, through his Son Jesus. Giving God the glory is the reason we do what we do. May we work together more and more in the greatest task in the world, loving God more. Well, you know, you take each one of those statements, Jacob, and I, I don't find fault with those statements mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. So I think the question is, can we, should we? Isn't it appropriate thing for us to hone in on certain things that uh, and make that the emphasis of a local congregation and so forth. All right. And we're not and we're not necessarily taking the position. Uh, I want to be clear from this right up front. We're not necessarily saying it's a bad thing, uh, but there might be some pros and cons that we want to talk, talk well, about. You think on about it. Let us know via email, via the phone tonight, or in the chat room with other listeners. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, he finds more of these type mission statements. Uh, one of them, following Jesus as Lord, we strive to do this by studying diligently the Word of God and making prayer a way of life, putting the Word into practice in our lives and developing our personal faith, praising God in our public assemblies and private lives, offering ourselves as living sacrifices, identifying and employing our individual spiritual gifts, relying on God's Spirit within us, strengthening our families and serving as extended family to one another, strengthening, loving, serving relationships within the body, our church family, and leading, participating in, and supporting missions of teaching, evangelizing, and caring for others. And so there's a mission statement from a church. Okay. So that's just some examples of the kind of thing that Jonathan had in mind when he said, is this, is this an appropriate thing? Is it something that we ought to be doing? All right. So that's what we want to attack in our virtual Bible study tonight. Uh, and the, the first thing that we want to ask is what positive things might result from having such a vision or mission statement? What positive things might be achieved? Um, Jonathan gives us a, a couple of positives. He says okay. congregations and members stay focused and motivated. Mm-hmm. Goals can be accomplished providing additional motivation and the congregation can be focused in the same direction to create synergy. Now, probably we need a definition of synergy. What's synergy? Well, synergy is just a, it's sort of a, a buzzword these days. It's just energy and uh, motivation. Uh, but it, it's the idea of working together. Working together, yeah. energy. Yeah. Okay. It, it, instead of just my individual energy, it's the idea that you and I work together. We have synergy. Anthony knows oh, the definition okay, of synergy. Yeah. Okay, I, go ahead. I think the idea is the, the sum... Uh, of the parts is, or the the power of the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. In other words, if the three of us in this room were working, each of us independently, we could accomplish something. If the three of us worked together, we could accomplish more than the three of us individually acting. Right. Okay. okay. And we have an. Anthony's been in the corporate world. He he knows that from some of the stuff they've been pouring down. Well, well, your throat, uh, right, Anthony? Uh, that's, that's right. John in uh, uh, Edmond, Oklahoma, has the definition: synergism, uh, broadly combined action or operation, a mutually advantageous conjunction or compatibility of distinct business participants or elements as resources or effort. And so, um, 
Like that, there's your textbook definition from John. Okay. All right, now, what about the idea that the church has a synergy? I, I actually, again, I'm not opposed to that idea because I think it's part of what God designed in the church. He designed us to be together. He could have, he could have given us instructions in the Bible for each of us to live and act independently without anybody mm-hmm. to help us or support us or encourage us. Uh, I, I, but he didn't. He designed the local congregation for a reason, and I think it's uh, beneficial, uh, obviously, according to his wisdom, for us to be together in local congregations. So. Uh, that may be a modern buzzword, the idea of synergism or synergy, but I, I actually can see that concept uh, in God's plan for the church. Okay. Gail says, although I can't think of anything positive that might be achieved by a church establishing a mission statement, it is very important to consider whether it would be positive. Too often we tend to focus on, I don't see the harm in it. When we don't see the harm in something, we tend to allow it. Not seeing the harm in something comes out of the silence of the scriptures. We need to focus on what we see right with it and how it fits with the scriptures, which we will fit with, which will then fit with faith. Okay. So Gail, Gail, I think my impression from what she says there is that she would be against that sort of thing. Wade has written in just to say, I've always wondered about the mission statement idea. I thought it was kind of funny when I first heard about it back in the in the 90s. I'm not against a mission statement as long as it is a statement concurrent with the Word of God. I think that's a key thing there. Whatever the, the mission is, it has to be uh, supported by the Word of God or it would be wrong. It would be unauthorized. He says, uh, in today's religious environment, it might be nice to see where the church stands before one continuously worships with people that he doesn't even agree with. It would be really nice if a church would put up their true purpose. I think some churches' true purpose might be to play and have fun. Okay. So I, I think Wade's on to something there. If, if we're going to state, state what our mission is, state what our purpose is, be honest about it. If our mission is to have lots of parties and ball games and good times, then make that make that obvious in your statement. The number to call is 877-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. Or join in the chat room. Let us know your thoughts about these mission statements that many churches today are publishing. Uh, Randy in Jackson, Missouri says, rather than answer each question, let me make a general statement. Obviously, a church's mission should be directly linked to the Scripture. However, that said, each church has limited resources. They can't do everything. For example, they can't take the gospel to every single part of the earth. So each church is forced to make decisions about allocations of resources, both monetary and human resources. For example, a church could focus on sending missionaries to a particular country or do a mission, a ministry to orphans, or do door-to-door evangelizing, or a virtual Bible study. Are churches who don't have an online program not fulfilling their biblical mandate? No. Does College U violate the Scriptures by having a VBS? No. However, every church has to make choices. God gave gifts to elders for making decisions and gave us all criteria for identifying elders. So for a church to have a mission statement that defines its choices is not wrong if it is based on Scripture, in fact, a wise church may want to spend some time defining their scriptural mission so that they make good use of the resources. Okay, and say that last paragraph for question three. Okay, so uh, I kind of like what Randy is saying there. In other words, there's a whole wide world of opportunities for a local congregation to pursue. Okay. Uh, is it wrong, or would it be, on the other hand, advantageous for us to hone in on a specific opportunity? Mm-hmm. Uh, like he said, you can't you can't support every preacher in every foreign country. 
what if we said, well, for instance, the College View Church supports Nestor Sanchez down in Chile. Okay. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we sort of have an emphasis there. That's an important part of what we want to do. Is it wrong for us to identify that? No, in other words, we, we can't support preachers everywhere, but we are committed to supporting Nestor Sanchez as he preaches in Chile. So just, would it be wrong to put that we'll support Bob Smith or whatever? Yeah. I, I don't think so, uh, and I, I agree with what Randy has said here. You know, different churches have emphasis on different things as long as it is scriptural. Uh, in other words, as long as it's an authorized thing, then it's within the realm of the judgment of those who are overseeing the local church. As Randy said, the elders in the local church have oversight duties, and if, it, if it's an authorized thing, then it's within the realm of their discretion to choose to do this and not do something else. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Give us a call. The line is open and it's toll free. We pay the bill. Send your email to questions at collegeview.com. Anthony, your thoughts about the mission statement. You didn't respond to our email today as uh, typically you do. Uh, any thoughts on uh, a church establishing a mission statement? Well, I, I agree with uh, some of the comments that, that have been made so far. I think it's it's wise for us to take stock of, you know, why we exist as a congregation, what our goals are. But again, we have to look to the Bible to establish what the what the appropriate goals might be. We don't need to be coming up with our own uh, mission statement just based on what we as individuals feel is a good are good things to pursue. Um, you know, I think goal setting and and having an action plan is is something that's good. Good for businesses. It's good for individuals, uh, and it's can be good for churches. Again, as long as it's grounded in Scripture. I the think. danger, I guess, it would be it could uh, tend towards maybe a creed to let's, some extent. Let's go to that after the break. Let's let's cover the possible negatives of that. Let's take a break. But before we do, real quick, we've been talking about some of the good things that might come from it. Uh, Chris sends an email in and he says, as long as it's Bible-based and Bible-centered, then it could be very positive. It would provide a good way to keep our mission. Mark 16, 16, go to all the world, preach the gospel, on the forefront of our minds. So he says that he thinks, uh, and pretty much in line with some of these other emails, if it's something that can be used to keep our our focus, our emphasis before us, uh, again, everybody, I don't find anybody who has disagreed. Uh, everybody says it's got to be Bible-based. Okay. All right, we'll take a short break, and we'll give you time to join in on the discussion. And when we come back, we'll take the negatives. So what do you think about the negatives? Maybe some things you need to be careful about if you're going to go the route of establishing a mission statement. Give us a call. Send us an email. Join in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, my name is Mike Smith, and I'm a member of the College of Church of Christ on Hampshire Pike. Let me ask you some questions. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected they thus saved the Lord? Can you remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't always, doesn't always approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? We're still trying to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit us soon at the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. 
My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll-free at 877-381-4567. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. As we talk about mission statements and should we establish mission statements for the church, what are some positives you see, what are some negatives, what are some things we need to be aware of. If we're going to establish mission statements, do you think they're scriptural at all? Do you think we should stay away from them totally? Uh, what do you think about mission statements? As we go on in the program, we'll get to the mission of the church. What do you think God has uh, defined as the church's mission in this world. Give us a call at 877-381-4567. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Join in the listener with other listeners in the chat room tonight if you're watching us live. I got an interesting little article here from our friend Steve Klein down in North Alabama. He he tells about a fellow named Charles Paul Klein, or excuse me, Charles Paul Kahn. Steve Klein wrote the article. Says he tells of living in Atlanta several years ago, and he noticed a listing in the Yellow Pages for a restaurant called Church of God Grill. Oh, wow. Out of curiosity, he dialed the number, and he recalls the phone conversation went like this. A man answered with a cheery voice, Hello, Church of God Grill. I asked how his restaurant had been given such an unusual name, and he told me, Well, we had a little mission down here, and we started selling chicken dinners after church on Sunday to help pay the bills. Well... People like the chicken, and we did such a good business that eventually we cut back on the church service. After a while, we just closed down the church altogether and kept on serving the chicken dinners. We kept the name we started with, and that's the Church of God Grill. Imagine that. And so here's an example of somebody whose mission got completely derailed and sidetracked. Okay. Um, and I think that that might introduce the, the idea of some of the dangers of these mission statements uh, and some of these mission concepts. Is if, we, if we divert away, everybody we've referenced uh, on these emails has strongly emphasized it's got to be based in the Bible. If we're saying this is what we're going to emphasize in our work, that work that we're emphasizing has to be a, a, an authorized activity. All right. And uh, there are short... Uh uh, programming note, if you're watching us live and you're in the chat room and you don't have a username, you can log, you can chat without being logged in tonight, sending your comments. And one anonymous listener has already said uh, uh, regarding the mission statements uh, that we already have a mission statement given by Jesus. So this uh, listener says, don't need anything else other than what Jesus has given us. Okay. All right. Uh, if we went back to Jonathan's original email on this subject, he, he listed some things that he saw as possible downsides, Jacob. Okay. He said church leadership can start to act like CEOs and to try to set their own rules instead of enforcing the Bible rules. Okay, we've got to be careful about that. Yeah, Anthony was telling us a little bit of his uh, corporate uh, background. Uh, Anthony, you probably would be very much against the church being operated as a business with CEOs in charge. Right. I mean, that's just not something that um, that we see in the Bible. I and mean, we have established leadership and the elders and, and the deacons uh, as helpers there. But we certainly don't have biblical authority for kind of just creating our own identity that's separate and apart from, from the church that we see in the Bible. Okay. 
Uh, Jonathan goes on, the congregation could become more focused on mission statements than on what the Bible says. Yeah, I see that. And some parts of the scripture could fall to the side. Okay, I see that. Because, you know, Paul Paul made a point when he was pre- when he was talking to the elders uh, of the church at Ephesus that I think is really important. Now, obviously, he was talking to church leaders here. He was talking mm-hmm. to the elders of the church at Ephesus. And uh, he said... Uh, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Mm-hmm. And so to these to these elders, he was emphasizing, I haven't kept back any part of it. In other words, as elders, you need to know it all, mm-hmm. and you are responsible for how you relate to the whole counsel of God. And I think that that's important. We, we cannot, uh, I, I think pick and choose the parts of the Bible we like, and then neg- totally neglect the others. So uh, Jonathan potentially makes a good point. There. Right. Uh, Kevin in Hot Springs, Arkansas, says, In general, we can get into trouble if we decide to run, he puts that in quotation marks, the church like a business, club, or other group. And I think I would agree with Kevin on that. Uh, we, we cannot, uh, the church is not a business, and it can't uh, run like a business. And uh, so if we try and run it like a business, we will. There, Anthony's got the chat room. Up uh, on the screen, and those of you who are not in the chat room, you can kind of see how that thing works there. So, okay, uh, yep. Uh, Anthony goes on. He says, or "Jonathan." Or, excuse me, Jonathan goes on. He says, "Logos and artwork could eventually be seen as scripturally necessary as a defining attribute for the congregation, similar to how the cross and red flame logo is associated with the United Methodist Church." Mm-hmm. In other words, if if you didn't have this little logo on your sign, on your letterhead, then maybe you're not a, a true church. Or right? it could even become a, a religious icon, like yeah. uh, you know something that uh, has some type of mystic value or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he says that's a potential downside. I hadn't thought about the downside because we've even got some logos that we run here at the Virtual Bible Study. And, and Anthony I made those logos. And Anthony made the logos, and I haven't seen I, – I hadn't thought of any potential downside. We're certainly not using that as – as some standard uh, that we expect everybody else to comply okay. with. Right. That, that's our own unique identifier. John's in the chat room. John has a broadcast, the uh, scripturalway.org, and John has a, a, a logo, too. So uh, we hope that uh, John hasn't got any sp- uh, you know, spiritual it's significance to that uh, that logo. We're, we're, I think Anthony's showing us the logo there. Okay. All right. Uh, um, and, and then he, Jonathan goes on. He says, schemes could be used to hit numerical targets instead of focusing on the contents of being taught. Uh-huh. I think that's about a value bit. quantity over quality. Right. We want to talk a little bit about that, about because one of our questions was, should we have, you know, targeted numerical goals? We'll talk about that a little bit more. Okay. And then he says, individual members who can't contribute as much as others to achieving the targets are viewed as not valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, we got, let's say, We've got we've we've got this mission statement, and we're really focused in on it. I mean, it's it's a hot topic. We're on it all the time. Right. Uh, kind of summarizing what Jonathan said, maybe by being so focused on that, we begin to overlook other things that necessarily must be attended to. Right. And then we begin to sort of shuffle out members who are not able to control. We got let's say we got an elderly member that does well to simply. Make it to services. That and that's about all the energy they're able to put out. Well, they're not helping us get to our target. They're not important. Or maybe we've got an excellent Bible class teacher for the young children, but there the young children's class is not on our mission statement. 
And so do we not view them as valuable because they're working in, on something that's not on our mission statement? So that's, those are good observations by Jonathan. All right. So, uh, again, Jonathan, we thank you for suggesting this topic. And Jonathan had some good insights there uh, concerning uh, those things. Now, we've got a couple more negatives, uh, some negative things that might happen. Uh, Gail says, uh, for local congregations having a mission statement, it might tempt them to limit the mission of the universal church, and members might become more concerned with working for the lo- local church rather than the kingdom and maybe even start to confuse the two. The, ch- the local church, uh, uh, the word of local church is uh, worshiping God. I guess that's what we want to say. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, she's made a correction here in her email. The word of local church is worshiping God, teaching the lost, and giving benevolence to the saints. Uh, and that's so that the universal church can know how to draw closer to God as well as being encouraged to draw closer to him, which leads us to praising and giving him glory which are the ways our main mission of loving him is manifested. So uh, Gail, Gail thinks that a mission statement, and that maybe that goes in line with what we were just saying, Jacob, a mission, a mission statement might tempt the local church to limit themselves in some of the work that they ought to be doing. All right, John in the chat room says it would be the same if we established a particular goal focused on the, that goal and forget other important aspects of the work of the church. So it is dangerous. You, you establish a mission statement, Anthony, and you focus on that, you could be excluding other important things that God wants the church to be focused on as well. Yeah, I think that's a real danger because if you try to boil down the mission of the church or the job of the local congregation into a, you know, one or two sentence mission statement, then you definitely run the risk of leaving things out. But... Um, and, you know, here's an idea that I had. Why, if you want to have a mission statement, then why don't you just get um, a few key scriptures and just have your mission statement be, you know, verses from the Bible. But, yeah, I think that'd be better. But even at that, I think the danger is that that you, you, you run the risk of neglecting some things that you don't have the right to to disregard. For instance, we've got this real strong focus on evangelism, say. We want to take we want to take the gospel to South America. Okay, and man, we are really we are really pushing that. We're really focused on that. That's our main thing. Well, <clears throat> let's say that that uh, a brother and sister in Christ maybe has some benevolent need. You know, Anthony was telling us about somebody whose house just burned down yesterday. We got some benevolent need. Now that's not in our mission. I'm sorry. That's uh, we're so focused on this evangelism thing. We are not. We cannot be diverted into providing benevolence to some of our needy members. Okay. And by the way, that, that house burning down wasn't a member here, but somebody Anthony knew. But let's just say it was somebody in the local congregation. That would be that would be uh, immediately become a, maybe a benevolent need in the local church. But if we're so focused on this mission statement, you know, then someone say, well, it's not in our mission. We're not going to do that. All right. Yeah, and, and I think, too, that that idea of becoming sort of myopic and being ultra-focused on just a couple of things could maybe even be more of a risk in congregations where there aren't elders, where you have, you know, business meetings, where you might have a tendency of some individuals to try to take preeminence other, over others and, you know, just wave around that mission statement and, and really – Camp out on that mission statement. Right. I, I mean, I could see that happening. It's not guaranteed, but yeah. as you said, as you said, we just need to be mindful of the potential pitfalls. Right. Uh, in the chat room, John has said 
Uh, it would be the same if we established a particular goal, focused on the goal, and forgot other important aspects of the work of the church. And Kevin adds, the, the lawyer was trying to find out which commandment he should focus on when he questioned Jesus. And I think he has reference to Luke 10 there, uh, where a lawyer, it says, stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, he was basically saying, can you boil it down? Can you just tell me the few things I have to emphasize? And uh, then, of course, that was the context that led into Jesus teaching the famous parable of the Good Samaritan. But maybe that lawyer was doing that exact thing. Just give me the, just give me the highlights. That's what I want to emphasize, and I'm not interested in the whole big picture. All right, 877-381-4567. Send an email to questions at collegeu.com. Send your comments into the chat room. You don't need the username or you don't need to be logged on in order to chat in the chat room tonight. We'll take a break and uh, get this week's bullet point. When we come back from the other side of the bullet point, we're going to get into what is the mission of the church. Before we do that, though, do we need to be setting targets? You know, that's part, talk about part of the mission goals. statements. I've, I know of churches that actually set targets for, we're going to baptize 20 people this year. We're going to increase our contribution by 25%. We're going to do this and do that. Should we set those kind of targets? What do you think? Uh, is there any danger in that? Is that something that's appropriate? Let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Glenn with this week's bullet point. We've all heard those stories about husbands and wives who begin to look like one another after they've been married for a number of years. The very thought of this is enough to make many wives lose sleep at night. Now, while we may never physically look like those that we keep company with, it is true that we begin to think and act like them. This is the very basis upon which we are warned, bad company corrupts good morals, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. As servants of God, we must be careful about the companions that we choose. But there's another side to that story. If bad companions cause us to think and act in evil ways, and they certainly do, then it is also true that good companions help us to think and act in righteous ways, and they will. That being the case, here are a couple of ways we can help ourselves to be more like God wants us to be. First, attend all the services of the church faithfully. It is hard to imagine a more uplifting situation than to join with others of like faith in the worship of God and in the study of His Word. These are special times, and no one who is the least bit interested in his own soul will purposefully neglect a single assembly. And then, choose faithful Christians to be your closest friends. Why would anyone who desires to please God do otherwise? Put forth an effort to develop close personal friendship with others in the church. Remember, you're going to look like those that you're around the most. Certainly in the spiritual sense, that's true. Therefore, you need to make choices that will help you look your best. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name's Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the virtual Bible study tonight, and we appreciate you being on the program with us. And we want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. College View Church of Christ meets in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, or College View, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E. Com. If you have any questions about what we believe and what we practice, the best way to get those questions answered is to come visit with us if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. If you're not in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we welcome you to contact us anytime over the phone, over email, uh, from our website, 
to find out more about what we believe and what we practice. We're talking about mission statements on uh, the virtual Bible study tonight, and uh, lots of comments coming in in the chat room. Uh, got a, got a, let me catch up on a couple of emails, okay. Jacob, real quick. Chris says uh, has written in some of the negatives. He says the, uh, about having a mission statement, per se, would be, he said, uh, the business of the church should not be run like a business, negotiating office equipment contracts, paying bills timely, etc. However, the mission and work of the church should not – I want to start that over – the business of the church should be run like a business in regards to negotiating office equipment contracts, paying bills, time, et cetera. However, the mission and work of the church should not be turned into a business. I have personally been, I have personally been involved at a congregation that operated in this manner. It was very cold, almost like handling all issues according to a standard operating procedure manual. Uh, we are about people and should never stray from keeping a personal touch toward the mission of the church. You know, I think I've been in places that, like the one that Chris was describing there, where people just, you know, were just all business, and it was a cold atmosphere, and and, and I think that misses okay. misses what we're looking for. Okay. David uh, has said, "What's the difference between a mission and a creed?" And you mentioned earlier, Jacob, that that could be a potential danger. Sure could. All right. And we we if it's that. We would definitely be against it. Okay. Anything that would supplant the Word of God. And Jeffrey has sent in and said, we're supposed to do good to all, especially those in the household of faith. That so a mission statement uh, would somehow interfere with us doing good, maybe uh, because it's not on the focus uh, for that uh, at that current time, keep us from doing good. And I think uh, Jeffrey would have a problem with that. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, let's go. Barty Cat 37 says, We strive to be the church that Christ died to create. So uh, I think if you stuck with that, uh, you'd be good. Let's, let's talk about numbers, Jacob. Uh, we asked the question, Should targets be set and monitored for metrics such as membership size, contribution targets, number of baptisms, and so forth. All right, let's throw it to Anthony. Anthony, your thoughts on that. Should we set targets? Should we have goals with specific numbers? Mm, I, mm, we stumped it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, again, I think I, I said earlier, and, and I think we've, we've definitely talked about how some of these things certainly have their pitfalls, but in, in a general sense, I think it's good for for us to have goals and things that we're working towards rather than necessarily just kind of flopping about to and fro and not really being motivated and not really having any energy or gumption to do much of anything other than just show up and, and fill the pews. Okay. So that's one extreme. Okay. You know, uh, but now the other extreme perhaps could be this idea of, of you know, establishing quotas and so forth. Um, I think it... The idea is nice that we want to grow the congregation and let's put a number out there that we could work towards, but aren't we always trying to grow the congregation? Right. Why do we need to put a, you know, why do we need to put an external number on it to somehow get us more motivated to do something we're already supposed to be doing? I got a little bit of problem with it. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, uh, my, my problem comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Uh, where Paul says, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. If I say, I'm going to convert, I'm going to baptize five people this year, I'm going to baptize ten, I'm going to baptize a hundred, I'm, I'm setting a goal that's beyond my control. 
that may be the key right there, targeting things that you can't directly influence. Uh, John in the chat room says, I would advise against picking a target for a specific number of baptisms during a given year. However, I could see the benefit of setting targets for the number of home Bible studies in a given year. Uh, yeah, again, though, that's somewhat beyond my control. A little bit. But that's way more within my right. control than exactly. how many people are baptized. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, he says uh, some might try to pressure people into being baptized in order to meet the target number. I think I've seen that happen. Okay, so that would be wrong. I think, or, or people get caught up in the in the they don't they don't obey out of the heart, Anthony. They do it because well, there's a big push, and I could be number. 20. I could be I could That's be right. number two baptizer in the congregation, you know. Or that, or I maybe have some pride in it for me. Yeah, but the person yeah. who's uh, being obedient to the gospel may not do it from the heart. They're just doing it. I, I could be the twentieth person, and everybody would be real happy with me. Yeah, yeah that was the goal. I mean, it'd be sort of like the you know the the hundredth person yeah. through the door is going to get a door prize, yeah, you know, right. at a store, and yeah. the twentieth baptized person is you know okay. everybody's going to celebrate him. So okay. that, that could really that could really get out of control. Um, Chris says in his email. I think targets should be set, but not with membership numbers and numbers of baptisms. Rather, how many times did you offer to share the gospel in a week or a month? Okay. We have no control over how people respond, but we do have control over how much we try and share the gospel. Okay. I think, I, I think that's a good thought. Okay. All right. Gail has uh, sent in her uh, answer to the question, should targets be set and monitored for metrics such as membership size, contribution targets, number of baptisms, etc.? God has already given a monitoring system of sorts for the church. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what love is. Loving others shows us whether we are on target for loving God. Focusing on numbers and contribution puts the focus on the local church, the focus on God. If a congregation is concerned with its contribution, it has lost its focus, the same as when a family puts its focus on its bank account. A bank account is useful, but not the purpose of the family. How sad it would be if a family only had a child in order to get a tax credit. How much more sad and selfish would it be if a congregation were to try to increase its membership size in order to increase its contribution? If a church were to do that, it would be missing its target, with, with, which is God. We don't give to the local church. We give to the Lord, which is the reason why when we give on Sunday, that we give where we are because wherever we are, it goes to the Lord. We don't uh, give only when we are in attendance at our local congregation. When a family treats one another disrespectfully, and the home is filled with criticism and chaos. We know it is off target no matter how many members are in the family or how much is in the bank account. Size and money are not factors in determining a healthy family. Neither is our size and money factors in determining a healthy congregation. If we miss God, we missed it all. God is more important than heaven and bank accounts and people. All okay. right. Thank you, Gail, for your comments. All right. And I want to go back to Randy's email. He had... He sort of just did a general, instead of answering specific questions, he sort of gave us a general answer. But he did address this business of numbers. He said, should churches use metrics to measure growth indicators? He says, God seemed to use numbers to measure things after they happened. He counted the number of people saved, the number baptized, the number of churches planted, the, the amount of money given, etc. However, I don't see any indication that numerical goals were ever set in the Scripture before the fact. Is it wrong or sinful? Maybe not. Does it help? Not sure. Um, kind of interesting take that Randy mentions there. I mean, there were 3,000 baptized on the day of Pentecost. God saw fit to give us that, that information, to record that number. <clears throat> but it wasn't that Peter got with the other apostles before the preaching started and said, okay, guys, our target number is 3,005. Ah, right, right. You know, uh, he, he, they, they just preached the gospel, and the results came. The, re the results were reported, 
but it wasn't that they had been targeted ahead of time. Kind of interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, but there is there is some information in the scriptures that do, that that identifies numbers. All right, Anthony. Well, yeah, I think that's a very you know, interesting observation. I just I just think again, as it was said, I think why don't we focus on uh, our individual day-to-day duty to share the gospel, mm-hmm. and if we wanna if we wanna make uh, evangelism as a broad thing, one of our areas of focus, at least temporarily, let's say, then let's just preach and teach a lot about you know our individual responsibility to uh, to teach others. I don't see the need to necessarily put a an arbitrary number or quota on it. Now that said, I don't. I don't know. It's just a personal thing of mine. I don't know if we could say that it's outright sinful to do so. It just might be a little like mis- Randy says. It may not be sinful, but it may not be helpful right. either. And, right. and it could be detrimental. Uh, yeah. All right, here's an interesting comment from the chat room from an anonymous listener. It would certainly be following the trend and even laws of various denominational groups. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, as they call themselves, demand that their members put in so many hours knocking on doors. And so if we put maybe we put a goal that every member is going to do X, you know, that you would be maybe establishing a law where God hasn't established one. Okay, so I, uh, that's the other side of that coin. You know, we said it might not be wrong to set targets for things that we can control, like how many people we invite to uh, a gospel meeting or how many, uh, how many advertisements of the virtual Bible study we hand out in a week. But... And so he is, so we had said if that's within our control, that might not be bad to set targets. But what might be bad is, as as this listener has suggested in the chat room, did you did you pass out your cards this week, Jacob? Right. Did, now you were supposed to pass out twenty five cards. You're not, give me the proof. You're not a member in good standing. You, until you, you have now failed. Right. You know you right. did you didn't meet your quota. Right. Therefore, you get thirty lashes. You know right. uh, that that could be a very, very downside. I, I appreciate that comment. I think it's right. Okay, uh, John agrees. Uh, binding and taking what may seem to be innocent ideas to an extreme are dangerous we face, and so. I think it's going to be very helpful. Any other comments on this before we go on? Let's take a final break, and when we come back, let's just do a quick summary of what God identifies as the true mission. You know, there's a lot of confusion about that uh, in the world uh, today. What what should the church be uh, focused on? What should be our mission statement, if you will? We'll take a break and go to the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? Hello, my name is Kent Bumgarner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Again, we thank you for being a part of it. As we talk about the mission statement of the church, or should there be a mission statement? And uh, now as we go on and finish up our discussion tonight, we want to talk about the true mission of the church. As I look at the religious world around me, it seems uh, there are a lot of people uh, religiously who are confused about what the church the mission that God has given the church, what the church uh, should really be focusing on. Okay. I, we have taught, and I think it's just a very simple way to remember, a three-pronged emphasis, the work that God has given the church to do, evangelism, edification, and benevolence. Now, how do you come up with that? Is that something that you just made up that you thought was a good idea? No. As we read and study the pages of the New Testament, this is what we see 
local congregations engaging. And this is what they were taught to do, and it's what we have uh, under the influence of inspired apostles. It's what we see churches doing. Okay. So evangelism, edification, and benevolence. Evangelism to reach out to the lost. Edification to support, encourage, and strengthen those who are already Christians. Benevolence to provide for the physical necessities of certain people. Now, I would argue uh, that the principal emphasis is on evangelism. And the reason here's, here's the reason I would say that, Jacob. With evangelism, there's no limitation. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Jesus said in the Great Commission. There's no limitation. We're, we're to take the gospel everywhere to everybody. With edification, obviously you're limited in edification to, to those who are already Christians. You can't edify somebody who hasn't yet obeyed the gospel. So there's a, there's a natural limitation to edification. I believe that there's a biblical limitation to benevolence. Uh, every example that we see in the New Testament of the church engaged in acts of benevolence from its collective treasury is that of relieving needy saints. Now, I think as individual Christians, uh, we, we are instructed to do good unto all men, uh, Galatians 6, verse 10. But I think that God has put a limitation on the benevolent work of the church. Uh, and I think there's a, probably a very obvious common sense reason why he did. If God didn't limit the church in matter of benevolence, it'd be easy for the church to consume all of its resource in a matter of just moments and not even make a dent into the benevolent uh, needs that exist in the world. Uh, so I, I think that there seems to be good wisdom in the fact that there's a there's a there's a limitation in that work. There's an obvious limitation in edification, but the 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 work that we're not limited about at all is evangelism, spread the gospel. In uh, uh, well, we're limited in how we accomplish those works. But we're, when I say no limitation, I'm saying uh, go to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Okay. Okay. Uh, in fact, in First Timothy chapter three and verse fifteen, the church is called the pillar and ground of the truth. That sounds like a mission statement to me. That's what's that the church is to is to to support uh, and hold up God's truth, okay. spread the gospel. Okay, um, it's part of what God said was His plan for the church from eternity. Ephesians chapter three, beginning at verse ten, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heaven and places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the church is to make known God's will. That's part of his eternal plan for the church. And, of course, we have examples of New Testament churches doing just that very thing. Uh, one example, for instance, the church at Philippi was engaged in supporting and helping the Apostle Paul as he went about on his missionary journeys. In Philippians chapter 1, beginning verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always making, uh, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And so they had helped Paul in spreading the gospel. Uh, the church of Thessalonica did the same, First Thessalonians 1, verse 8. And the church did that by supporting an evangelist to do that. Okay. Exactly right. So we see first first century churches, and they were acting under the the the, the direct influence of inspired apostles. They were certainly engaged in this important work. In First Thessalonians one verse eight, Paul says to the church of Thessalonica, "From you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, 
but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. He commended the church for their work in evangelism. I, I seriously doubt that if we that we could find anybody who would disagree with the fact that this is an important work of the church. It's an important emphasis uh, in, in the work of the church. It was church. a primary emphasis. Right. And you compare that with what you see emphasized in churches today, and as Wade said, it seems like so many are more interested in fun and games than they are in uh, evangelizing the lost, and certainly... That is an issue. So Chris, in his email, says uh, just references Mark sixteen sixteen, the Great Commission, okay, and uh, Ecclesiastes twelve verse thirteen, uh, the whole duty of man: fear mm-hmm. God and keep His commandments. Okay, all right. Uh, so appreciate uh, those comments uh, tonight. Uh, if you have any other you'd like to add, uh, the chat room is open. Uh, to those who are not logged in, the phone line is open. The email address is working. We still have a few minutes to go as we talk about the mission of the church. So we are to be evangelizing. But uh, it doesn't stop there. Once uh, once we're successful in evangelizing, the church is to be actively engaged in edification or building up those who have been converted. Yeah. Uh, and, and, again, we mentioned this early on in the program, but I think that's seen in uh, God's wisdom for designing the idea of local congregations for us to be in so that we can draw strength and encouragement okay. and support for, okay. from one another. Uh, and... Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 11, it's, Paul says, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. And so uh, very clearly there we see the, the, the idea that the church was, was designed sure. and, and, and God put things into it for the purpose of, edification, that we might be strengthened and built up. All right. Uh, certainly that is a, a, it, the, man, the wisdom of God is shown again in, uh, in that design that we could uh, have that kind of association. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe some other verses there that we could reference. We're just about out of time. Quickly, let's talk about uh, the third area of work, which is benevolence. Okay. I, I think sometimes we are misrepresented on this question of benevolence uh, we do take the view that the church is limited by authority, limited from its collective treasury to engage in benevolent acts toward saints specifically. Why do you say that? Does the, do the scripture say only uh, be benevolent to saints? Well, uh, the, the church is commanded. I mean, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the church of Galatia, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in store, as God is prospering, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever you shall prove by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality into Jerusalem. And as we read about that episode there in the, in the last chapters of the book of Acts, they were, sent, they were sending benevolent support specifically to saints in Jerusalem. And really every reference that we have in the New Testament to churches acting as collective bodies their benevolence was directed towards saints. Now, again, 
well, the reason I think that maybe we have been misrepresented in this is we're not we're not trying to be cold or hard hearted. As individual Christians, I believe a passage like Galatians chapter six and verse ten would apply. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them that are of the household of faith. That context is addressed to individual Christians. And so as an individual Christian, I should be benevolently minded toward all. Uh, and so I, I, I wouldn't want to leave the impression we're saying, oh, we've got a closed little club here. And if you're not in our club, we're not going to help you. We don't like you. We don't want to be of any assistance to you. That's not the case at all. But just that we can't find any example of, right. of New Testament churches being engaged in general no, Not by command or example or even by inference do we have authority for the church acting as a body to engage in benevolent works toward those who are not Christians. And again, I, certainly. Excuse me? The individuals certainly have been given the direct command to be benevolent to all. Yeah. And again, I would argue that I, I see the wisdom of God in that limitation because Jesus said, uh, you may remember when Judas complained about uh, the waste of money when one anointed his uh, feet um, uh Oh, I should be able to bring that up in mind tonight. Yeah, I can pull it up for you. Uh, anyway, Jesus said, "You have the you have the poor Matthew with you." Matthew twenty six eleven. Matthew twenty six eleven. Matthew twenty six eleven. Jesus said, "You have the poor with you." All Jesus suggested the idea of benevolent needs were and really an unsolvable issue. There are always going to be benevolent needs, and therefore the church could use all of its resources just instantly. Uh, in the relief of, of, of benevolent situations around the world, and we wouldn't have any money left then or any resource or any energy left to attack what we said earlier was the primary mission of the church, and that is the work of evangelism. Because You're, bottom line, if you talk about bottom line, the most important thing we can do is teach lost souls about salvation in Christ. You're, you're explaining how you can understand the wisdom, but you're not that's basing right. your argument on no, that. Right. You're basing your argument on the fact that you just don't see any example of it. Nor do you see a command or even an inference that churches did that in the first century. And so if you're going to demand authority for what you do, you're going to demand that uh, that you do exactly what the New Testament church did. Steve Klein wrote, clearly the New Testament church was not the worldwide relief organization that modern men have made their churches out to be. The church helped some of its own needy, reference Romans 15, uh, Romans 15, 26, but it was not charged with the mission of helping even all of them. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 16 the scripture says, if any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those that are really widows. Uh, so he says, the, again, he's seeing a limitation in what's authorized okay. for the church in benevolence. All right. Anthony, any comments uh, as we close out uh, the mission statement of the church? Anything you see? Well, I, again, I, I would just kind of tie back to the overall topic that we've talked about. I think when we want to know, I mean, what the what the church should be about doing we should focus on the three areas that you just mentioned and outlined there and we really we don't need necessarily a, a mission statement to, to help remind us of that we just need to study our bibles and uh, regularly and and understand as christians what the church is all about well, from the bible anthony it's an interesting point you said we don't need a mission statement to remind us that but we do need to be reminded we need to be reminded of what our focus is. Why are we yeah. working and, together as a church? And as we've talked about this, we've got to point out that a lot of religious groups have gotten way off track. They need to be reminded. They, they've really missed it yeah. because they're not sticking with the authority of the Scriptures for what they're doing. Okay. Right from the start of the program, we pointed out, and numerous emailers and commenters in the chat room have pointed out, 
our our mission has got to be Bible based. We we cannot we are not authorized to do other than what the Bible says. Okay, so we do need to be reminded, uh, whatever I guess, whatever it takes to be reminded of that, and the the reminder needs to be what scriptures say. That's what we're going to do. And we're going, to, we're going to do what God wants us to do because, uh, according to a comment in the chat room, uh, Kevin says, isn't another a mission of the church to be delivered up as a bride, pure, not adding or taking away from God's precepts? He says maybe that's the goal rather than a mission. But we are uh, the bride of Christ, and we need to be doing what Christ and what God have instructed us to do, not what we want to do, not what we think is good, what God has asked us to do, because we are God's servants, God's children, and uh, we're not here to please ourselves. Dad, the church isn't here to make me happy. The church isn't here to do what I think it needs to do. The church is here to make God happy and to do his will. We need to understand that. Jeff sends in uh, just one final comment. He, he references the Great Commission, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, Acts 1. Uh, uh, again, the mission of Christians is to seek and save the lost by teaching them the inspired word of God. Okay. All right. Uh, last round, Anthony. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered a lot of ground tonight and had some good comments. I think it was an important topic, and we appreciate Jonathan in Cookville, Tennessee, for suggesting it to us. Uh, I do think it's something that's really worthy of, of consideration. Uh, make sure that the church is doing what God wants the church to be doing. All right, Anthony, thanks for manning the controls tonight. Thanks. It's always a pleasure. And, Dad, thank you for your time. Thank you. All right, we appreciate you for being on the other end of the, the, the discussion tonight. We look forward to hearing from you if you're listening to this in our archived podcast version and you have questions about what we've said and maybe you have questions about what we believe our mission is as the Church of uh, Christ here uh, in Columbia, Tennessee. We'd love to hear from you on the program tonight or uh, program anytime. Uh, send an email anytime, 24 hours a day, or give us a call, 877-381-4567. And if you are like Jonathan and you have been thinking about something that you'd like to hear discussed on a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we welcome that anytime, Dad. And, in fact, we appreciate uh, exactly, those suggestions. Exactly right. Uh, that, was, that was very helpful. Appreciate Jonathan. So send those in anytime. We'll look forward to being with you again this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.